Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. My name is Tim Doyle, and this is Project Sports. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Tim Doyle, and today we have a special guest on the show, a return visitor, Caleb Maciel. What's going on, Caleb? Tim, what's up? Glad to be back. No problem, man. This should be a fun episode for us to do. The conclusion of the group stages is finally done, and we now have our bracket of 16 teams in the Euro and we can also talk about the NBA playoffs a little bit. It's been some crazy finishes and also surprising winners within uh, the NBA playoffs. So I guess the first thing we can start off is with uh, the, just the 16 teams that made it and maybe some of the teams that didn't and kind of go down the list of the matchups and just be like, hey, this is our favorite. This is what we should expect. And, you know, before going uh, through this, we don't really know what's to come. And now we've got certain teams on one side of the bracket and certain teams on the other side. We have more of a clear picture of how this might play out. Uh, oftentimes, people want to guess who's going to win the Euro before the group stages. I don't like to do that, especially in big tournaments, because you kind of just don't know where they'll end up. For example, a place I kind of want to start and ask you, I think the most dangerous part of the bracket is Italy, Austria, Belgium, Portugal. I mean, this for me is probably the most heavy-weighted. And then if you come out of that, you're probably going to be either playing France, Croatia, or Spain. But I think that top left portion of Belgium, Portugal, Italy, Austria, do you disagree? Do you agree? And who do you think will come out on top in those areas? No, I, I definitely agree. That's where the, the heavy hitters are. Um, especially Italy has definitely surprised me this tournament. They have been killing it. And they're kind of the dark horse, I think where not a lot of people kind of counted them out, but I think they're they're here to play, and I think they have definitely have a chance to make a run and, you know, maybe even win it. And then as far as Belgium and Portugal goes, I mean, Belgium, I was a little bit iffy on them coming in, but after watching the second half of the game versus Denmark, when mm. De Bruyne came in and Hazard came in, and they just were clicking, they to me, they're the best team. If they can play like that and those guys are healthy and fit, they're the best team. They're, the, they're even even better than France, I would say. They're, they're the team when, to take it all the way. I, I think you're you're definitely onto something because when you see uh, KDB start to mesh, especially him and uh, Roman Lukaku, and Lukaku is coming off a great season in the Serie, and he's coming into this competition already scoring a lot of goals. And Kevin De Bruyne came out um, in the second game, came out swinging. And really brought the team to a victory. And then in this game, like you said, they've started to really dominate. So you're now you're seeing them make a push. And it's really healthy in a group tournament to once you get out of the group stage and go into the knockout stage to be playing like this. And they, they are peaking, as, as some might say. And going to place against Portugal, you're going to need it. Because at the end of the day, Portugal does have Cristiano Ronaldo and a lot of other good players on Portugal. But for me, I think I'm kind of with you because I feel like Portugal is a team that has got a lot of great talent but doesn't have the chemistry like they used to when they won the Euro the last time. Was it 2018, 2016, 2018? I can't remember the year. 2016, yeah. 2016 Euro. Um, it, it's, it's been a bit, and I think that's there's more younger and newer players that are very talented. I just don't think they're at that point yet. And But there's always the X factor. You have Cristiano, but he is playing more of a delayed role. He's playing the number nine position. Let the game come to him, and then he, when he gets the ball, he thrives. 
Um, but a lot of like Bruno Fernandez and Diego Jota, they're they're playing more of that uh, stylistic, uh, coming up with the, the plays and the triangle passes, doing yeah. a lot of that work by themselves. Right, they're the playmakers of the team for sure. And exactly. Yeah, Ronaldo's kind of you know, he's he's getting up there in age, and also he's not going to be the same Ronaldo. Still amazing and still crazy good, but just not that same Ronaldo that we're all used to from five years ago, ten years ago, or whatever. For sure. And it, that was a great point where you brought up about uh, France as well. Um, I, I do think that that was a really strange group of death, and they struggled a bit at times. And a lot of people like, oh, that you know, they won the group and this and that. But it was a tough it was a tough group for them. And, you know, how do we see this moving forward when they go against all the big dogs and how would it play out if they played Portugal again, you know, and tied 2-2 or one of the other big clubs and had to go into a sudden death or not sudden death, but into overtime and then PK shootout, how would that play out? I thought at the start of the tournament, obviously, because they just won the World Cup, they're a very stacked team, very deep team. I think they were the favorites to win. And I had previously said on the podcast before that they were, it was theirs to lose. But now I'm kind of seeing the playing field kind of edge with some of the teams going into the knockout stage. You feel the same? Yeah. France, I don't know. I'm, just, I'm a little bit disappointed, honestly. Even though they came out on top of their group and they were in the group of death, I still expected more from them. Mm-hmm. And on paper, you look at their roster, it's unbelievable. They have the best talent and the you know top-heavy, all the superstar players. But I don't know. They just like weren't clicking in the group stage i guess and which says a lot because if they and they still ended up in first place but exactly if they can kind of hit that next level then i think watch out but we just haven't seen that yet and i don't know i think i think they're gonna have some tough games upcoming here if they play um i think they can go by switzerland but the next game probably be you know spain Croatia, Croatia, spain yeah that's gonna be a little bit uh tougher and yeah we'll see i think i still think it's theirs to at least make it to the semis i'd, I'd love to see that France-Belgium game. That's what I'm rooting for. But, um, well, yeah, I don't know. I'm a little bit disappointed in France. I still think they can obviously make a run. And honestly, if you go back to the World Cup, this is the way I remember it. In the group stages, France was a little bit lackluster as well. And then group state, and then knockout stages came, and they just started clicking and went to another level. So we'll yeah, that, I, that repeats itself here. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that France is, is kind of melancholy, as you want to say, kind of trotting it in even in a hard stage uh, in the group stage. But uh, coming into this portion, like you said, they can take it to that next level. And, I mean, they could be completely dominant on the pitch and shut a team out. They have a good defense. they got great strikers. They have probably the best midfield in the world at this time with N'Goli Conte. And for whatever reason, Paul Pogba plays better with him on France. And uh, they have Kareem Benzema coming to play with them as well. And he actually scored today. It was a really good match today, and I really enjoyed it. But like you, like you said, I think that France, if they go to that next level, they can do it. But if they continue to play like like they have been, if they ran into a team like Italy, who let's say Italy makes it to that uh, the semis, and you know they stay stay with the plan with what they're doing, and they don't let in goals, and they just play simple soccer triangles. You got a bunch of no names and have good chemistry. You could lose to a team like that, and then you know they do have to get through Croatia or Spain, which is also a tough match too. So it's a lot to look forward to. I think on this side of the bracket, it's very difficult, I would say. Much more difficult than the other side. All these teams still have a chance to win. Italy is a heavy favorite. Belgium is a heavy favorite. Portugal and France to literally win the entire thing. And you got four teams on one side. And then you have Croatia and Spain who could make a run. So it's I would not want to be on this side if this was a team I was sporting. Uh, lucky for me, my team's on the other side that I'm sporting, but uh, this is a very, very difficult side to, to pick. 
Yeah, this is definitely where the heavy, more most of the heavy hitters are. I'd say it's um, the hardest side of the bracket for sure. And just another thing, like we got to remember, <laughs> Croatia was in the final of the mm-hmm. World Cup in, mm-hmm. in like in they, uh, twenty eighteen. So they could yeah, turn they, on any second. Ex- exactly. So it, I don't know. I feel like in the in the knockout stage, it's really like we could have a dark. That, uh, it's like a dark horse always comes up, or the Cinderella story or whatever. So I'll probably expect one of those to come out as well, and we'll, we'll see. It'll be fun. One thing, I, I mean, you know this pretty well, but one thing you can never count out is I always say that soccer is soccer or football is football. Anyone can beat anyone at any time. There's always dominant teams, but you're talking about a game of inches. Look at, look at Hungary sure. today, for example. Hungary yeah. start, they, dude, they almost won that game against Germany, and there was a lot of pressure on Germany, and they actually did a good job battling back, which actually I wanted to... We can transition over to the other side and talk about Germany a little bit and how they survived this uh, group of death and got thrown to another side where they might actually have some life um, going into the tournament now and maybe have a chance to make the finals based on where they placed in the seating. So Hungary really pushed them. Hungary played. Hungary was the best worst-placed team in the entire tournament in the group stage, for sure. They had the hardest task to go in front of them, and they did their best. Yes, they only got one point out of the whole thing, but... They they worked their butts off. They put pressure on all three of those teams, and they made it worth it, I think, <laughs> as far as if you're a, a fan of Hungary. You almost made it today. Like, if you had won that game, you could be sitting in a different position. Unbelievable yeah. feat by I them. Mean, they, t- they tied France. They actually got two points. They tied yeah, France two and Germany. Two points, that's right. That's so right. I think that one game against Portugal, they kind of just fell apart. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Too bad. They got, they got stuck in the the worst possible group so could have been a different story if they were in a different group probably yeah absolutely and that uh so i guess we'll just go over the other side now so we the big matchup obviously is england and germany i think everyone's excited for that obviously maybe we wanted it in the quarters or semis but hey i'll take it whenever it comes um this is a matchup that's been played out a few times uh, in big tournaments in england and germany uh, in recent years, Germany has won, but in the past, England has also won in this matchup. But this is the big one on the on the other side of the bracket. And uh, going into this, uh, as an Eng- a huge England fan, um, I'm not as nervous as I used to be. If we were playing a Germany team that was more sound, um, I would be. But it kind of seems like the flip is here for me. This is my take on it, and I'm a fan, so correct me if I'm wrong or if you see something different. I see a deep England team who's got a lot of players, like when... Uh, if you heard the, uh, what's that guy? The kid from Scotland, Billy Gilmore. He plays for Chelsea. He's a young, young guy. Uh, he got yep. co- he got COVID, and they ended up having Ben Chilwell and Phil Foden had to get benched for the last game, and then England had to put in a replacement. They had Mason Mount was out, and so they they put in Saka from uh, Arsenal, and then also Jack Grealish. Um, they they won one nothing in their last match to win the group with seven points, but they didn't concede any goals the entire time. And yes, they won two games, one nothing, and tied zero zero. But that's sound soccer. You know, you didn't they didn't let anything in. They played strong defense. Would have liked to see more goals, but for me, they didn't get to that next level, which I still think they can go to. Harry Kane is you know pretty much been a ghost this entire time. He, he plays well at times, but he retracts and and doesn't you know get. It, it seems more of like a. I was talking with my friend about this. Uh, my friend Brandon comes on the podcast sometimes. They seemed like they were playing more like Manchester City, like a more of a Spain, more possession soccer, a lot different from what England is normally used to doing, more of playing counter or you know fast-paced soccer. I just thought it was very interesting. Do you have any thoughts on this game coming up? Yeah, I mean, England and Germany, they're both 
I feel like their fans overall are like happy they made it out and more so Germany than England, but mm. they're still a little bit disappointed at the overall results of the group stage, I would think. Yeah. And maybe like, I don't know, but I, I, I would suspect that their own like media in Germany and the media in England are probably not very like in on their side right now. They're probably <laughs> trashing them a so little bit. That's what I would think. In, so I, I follow a lot of England um I listen to podcast reviews and then also watch a lot of YouTube clips from the BBC and then ITV4, some of their MBT, um, their newest stations. And it was it was strange. Like some of them were talking about how their defense played well, but then others were being super negative. But uh, yeah, it, it just all depends. I think the game against Scotland where England tied an uproar. They felt like they should have beat Scotland, but that's just like a, an, like an old rivalry that came up, you know? Right, And I think that that was uh, something that kind of like the emotion kind of fed into that game a little bit and they got lost in it somewhat. And I don't think you're going to have that the rest of the tournament, except for maybe if they played Wales in the semifinals, which I don't foresee happening. But if I, but Germany, yeah, I'm sure they're, they've been hard on their team since, you know, last October when they got their butts whooped by uh, North Macedonia, who, you know, you know, made, ended up making the Euros because of that, not that particular match, but playing well, and they were a good team. But, um, you know, the Germans, to me, are the ones that are the underdog in this game, if I had to pick, because England, yeah. England's been spiking the last couple of months, last year and a half, been playing well, and then obviously winning their group. So it's, yeah, you know. uh, I, I definitely agree that uh, England are <laughs> the favorites here. And I actually, I had England winning the tournament before, this started one of my friends asked me who i thought was going to win i was like i, I think i'm going to go with england just mm. i think maybe this is their year but you know i was honestly at the group stage i was a little bit disappointed as well and i don't know i just feel like if i was a fan of one of those two teams i'm i'm happy they made it out but i'm a little bit hesitant or questioning <laughs> questioning them questioning a little bit pick. yeah not feeling i'm not feeling so good in the in the group stages now but the good thing is i mean the knockout stage the good thing is is that they did get the easier side of the bracket so they did i honestly think one of these two teams whoever wins it's kind of the path is there for them to make it to the final. So, so here's here's my thing with England. I, I'm confident in based on what I know the team is capable of. Like you picked them before the turn the tournament even started, right? And you have that confidence because they have a lot of talent. I all, all three games, there's been different lineups thrown in there, and it's been they they haven't even played Jaden Sancho, which is you know a top player in all of Europe. And he, play, he came in at the end of the game in the third match and played five or six minutes. That's it. <coughs> so, in I just don't I'm, – I'm ready to crap on the coach for this is what I'm kind of saying. It, it, they're kind of not living up to the standard, I don't think, because of – I don't know. Like, from the qualifiers to, like, where they were, obviously they lost Trent right before the Euro. But, I mean, that shouldn't make too much of a difference because you have a lot of right backs – and you yeah, should be I'll you th- should be prepared for it. You had they had four right backs, and they're all good. Like they're not average backs. So you have four that play in major clubs all across Europe. Right. And then you they're have all good, but they're none of them are better than Trent, though. Right. No, Trent's the best okay. in the world. <laughs> yeah, tr- I just mean, want to make sure. Trent's like the arguably besides maybe David Alaba when he plays right back, he's arguably the best right back in the in the world. So right. I, I I don't know. I didn't mean to talk about. I was just gonna say I think. They're just missing like one thing, and to me, it's it's probably Trent. Honestly, it's but, Trent. It could be Harry Kane's ghosting. Like he's 
He's yeah, played so Harry unbelievable Kane? the last Wait, two years. Wait, is Harry Kane playing this tournament? He he is. I know. <laughs> I'm I know. It's, it, it, it feels like that though, doesn't it? It feels like <laughs> like is he even in this tournament? Because normally he'd have at least two goals by at the very least, at the most three or four. He's a goal machine, but I, I think that a lot is weighing on him choosing or leaving Spurs and going to another club and he had spoke about this that he wasn't going to make his decision until after the Euro, but it's a tough thing to go into a Euro or major tournament of any sort and have that behind you, like looming over you the entire time and then meeting expectations for your country. So it's, it can be very difficult. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Harry Kane is obviously a world-class striker. So I don't know. I just feel like one of these games, he was just going to go out for like, go off for like a hat trick or something and nobody will be surprised. <laughs> no, no. All right, I guess we can get into a little bit of some of the other matchups on this side of the bracket. Which one kind of sticks out to you the most? Is it the Netherlands, the Czechs, the Wales-Denmark matchup, Ukraine-Sweden? What's your favorite one out of those ones, and which one uh, do you think – which team do you think will – let's, you know, let's start from the Netherlands-Czech and Wales-Denmark side. Who's going to prevail to the semifinals on that, that portion? I mean, for, for me, I think it's definitely the Netherlands. They, they've been looking really solid. Um, I feel like they were kind of a, in a weaker group, so that was expected, but they did what they had to do, and, you know, there was no hiccups on their part. And I just don't think um, the Czech, Wales, and as much as I would love Denmark to make a run to the final and win it all for Ericsson, I just don't see it happening. Um, maybe they can get by Wales, but I feel like that, that corner of the bracket is um, for the Netherlands definitely to get by. For sure. I, I'm going to agree with you on this one. I think Netherlands probably will make it to the semis. Um, I'm looking for a huge... Normally, I would support Wales just because I like their, their squad. Um, but Denmark, obviously, is a team everyone's rooting for. So, I mean, yeah. I think that will probably be for the rest of the tournament because Christian Eriksen and what happened in his situation. So, hopefully, we'll get a huge win out of Denmark beating Wales. I mean, that would be that would be very, very nice. Um and then obviously the Czechs, hopefully it will be a good game. But I think that the Netherlands with Ginny Wijnaldum and Memphis Depay, who just ended up signing with um, Barcelona, I think, uh, the striker up the, I think he's a left wing. Mm-hmm. Um, that that team should be should be well poised to make the semis, and eh, it's theirs yeah. to lose. I mean, that's a really good grouping for them, and they that's should. That's a good. They that's cruise. a good team. The only this the only disappointment is imagine if they had. Uh, DVD back there, yeah. I mean, yeah. that then that team would be a whole different story, and would be. They'll probably be one of the favorites because that you know, the best center back in the world. Yeah, they're all, they're already good, and now we're looking at, you know, they're like, they're already good, and then they're now they're in a spot where they can make the semis pretty easily, pretty handily, you know. And then if they had VVD, yeah, like you said, we might be. I would, yeah, I would love to. I would have loved to see a Belgium Netherlands. I don't know why. Maybe because they're next to each other or kind of similar in their the last ten years or so, both coming up at the same time as right. powerhouses. But that would be a fun matchup to watch in a final. So I guess we can transition to the Sweden Ukraine, uh, which is in the same portion of the bracket as England and Germany. Um, Sweden, um, that the young kid uh, Isaac, um, he is a. Re- I, I don't know if you've watched Sweden a bit. I, I've I've watched most of the matches. Uh, this kid is unbelievable, and ever, there's been some reports that he might uh, transfer to the Premier League and actually go to Liverpool. So I mean, I'd be really excited about that. But I didn't even know that. I swear, I didn't even know that he was like a prospect or anything. I was just watching the matchups, and this he's he's a really 
fiery player and he's just got a lot of speed and uh, uh, pace, as they call it, to the game. And unbelievable. Um, so that kid is, is really good. Ukraine, they, they play well. They got Shashenko and he's, he's a really good talent. That's going to be a fun game to watch. And I think that uh, it will probably be undersold because, I mean, that's probably the least game that people are going to watch because there's not a big club i would say but i for me i like the matchup and i like the i like the matchup between shashanko and then the young isaac and that i don't know if you know anything about these two but go at it if you want no i mean i think just based on seeing the results i think sweden's probably the favorites but I, uh, yeah mm. i haven't watched too many of their games this, pay, this pay, tournament so pay, pay attention to that kid isaac if you see this game it's he, he's he's really really good and a young star in the making so um i mean that kind of wraps up what we think um, do we have, do we want to go through the list and just kind of pick who's going to win the first round? Let's do it. All right, cool. So the first matchup, we got Belgium and Portugal. Give me your, uh, your thoughts. Who, who wins the game there? Yeah, I mean, I'm going, I'm going Belgium. I already said that I feel like they're the favorites to win it all. So as much as Port- Portugal can definitely, I would not be surprised if they win, but mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Belgium here. You know what, man? I mean, this is, uh, this is my thought too. I think it's going to be an early exit from Portugal. Belgium is just too much, and I can't go against Roman Lukaku, who's like pretty much playing in his prime right now, and KDB and the Hazard brothers. I think they're just really poised to make a really deep run into this Euro, so I'm going to go with them as well. Uh, next matchup we got is Italy versus Austria. I mean, I think we both know who we're taking here, but let's go through it anyway. Yeah, let's just say Italy and move yeah. on. <laughs> Italy and move on. <laughs> David Alaba and Austria, we are so sorry, but yeah. I just don't. Yeah. They they barely made this knockout, and at times I've watched them, and they look so poor. Uh, I didn't really like what I saw from Austria. They they played with heart most of the time. They just don't have the talent, and, you know. And Italy has <laughs> they have played sound soccer, and they are just going to go forward, and they're they're going to play Belgium in the next round. Uh, France versus Switzerland. If you want to go first, go ahead. Yeah. Unfortunately, I have to take France, but yeah, France. Yeah. Uh, France for me too. Uh, Switzerland, again, great chemistry, a little bit lack of the talent. They have it. They do have a star, obviously, with um, Shakiri. He's a good player, but they're going to get overwhelmed eventually by the French, and they're, they're not going to win this game. Uh, hands down, France is definitely going to win. Uh, mm-hmm. Really interesting matchup. I'm curious to see who you're going to pick on this one because both of these teams are star teams, but both got to a slow start. And then in the last game, both teams played very well in their last game. So who do you got, Croatia or Spain? You know, um, yeah, this one I'm a little bit torn, but I'm actually going to take Croatia on this one. All right. Yeah, I think Modric and company will will get it done. I just, you know, Spain looks, they look pretty good. Obviously, that last game, they finally clicked and went off. But I just don't think they're going to be able to do that against Croatia. No, I think we're living in a different, different time era with Spain and Croatia. And Spain is... Uh, not as good as they once were, and yeah, Sergio and Ramos gonna be, is not playing. So, right, I feel like this is going to be their real first test. Like their group was pretty weak. They had Sweden, Slovakia, and Poland, and you know we were expecting them to win the group, and they came in second. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm taking Croatia here. I really want to disagree with you, but I I saw something in Croatia like big time in their last match, and they I know that. Spain scored five goals, but to me that doesn't really matter because they were playing a really poor Slovakia team, and I just feel like Croatia clicked on a lot of levels, and I really like that team going forward as well. So Croatia for me. Um, let's move on over to Sweden versus Ukraine. Who do you got here? I think you already said it. Sweden you're going to go with? Well, I think I'm, I think I'm going to pick one upset here. I'm going to go with Ukraine. Go with I, think Ukraine. Okay. I think Sweden's definitely the favorites, and they, they probably should win, but 
There has to be some one upset at least, right? There's got to be one, you know. So yeah, I'll go Ukraine here. Okay, then we'll we'll differ on this one. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go Sweden with Isaac and their the good defense and the production they've gotten out of them. Um, all right, next matchup we got England and Germany. Who do you got here? Uh, I'll stick with England. I think. I think I, I mean I had them in the to win it all. So I think oh, this matchup. It's I'm coming home. England. All right, Julio. <laughs> Oh, of course, you know I'm going to pick England too, but I genuinely will pick England. I would not pick them if I didn't think they were going to win. I would pick Germany if I thought they had a chance, but Germany is too undisciplined yeah, and they are not playing well. So I'm going to go just England not, as well. Yeah, I agree. Germany, unfortunately, is not getting it done. All right. Big matchup here Netherlands versus the Czech Republic. Who do we got? I'm taking Holland. He's taking the Holland. He's taking Holland. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't even do an upset. I was like, oh, hey, maybe I'll pick the upset here. Absolutely not. The Netherlands are going to win this game. Yep. The Czech Republic did enough to get here. I don't think that they're a Cinderella story. I don't think that there's anything behind the curtain. They are done for. The Netherlands will win this game. Ginny Wijnaldum, let's go Liverpool. All right, Wales versus Denmark. I I don't know who you're going to pick here, but go for it. I. Hmm. My heart wants to go Denmark, but yeah, you know what? I'm going to go with Denmark. I'm going to go with my heart and pick Denmark on this one. He's going to go with his heart. He's going to pick Denmark. <laughs> He's going to go with Peter Schmeichel, and they're going to win the game. Yep. Uh, <laughs> well, for me, I'm, unfortunately, there's too many Liverpool players on Wales, so I'm going to have to go Wales. <laughs> but, Fair enough. Know, but for me, Neko Williams and... Gareth Bale, hopefully we'll have a Harry Wilson sighting. Um, I think that the team is actually pretty good, and I talked to you about it before the tournament started, and you you still crapped on me when I was like, hey, they they tied this team, and you're like, yeah, well, it's, it's what was it? I can't even remember. Was it just the Czechs, or I can't even remember the, the <laughs> Italian group, and I was just like, yeah, I know. But they, they're a good team. They made the semis last Euro, so who knows? Maybe they'll make another run now, but I don't think they're going to get past the Dutch, so... Um, yeah, I'm going to go Wales on that one. So we differ on two, and hopefully that's how it plays out, you know, in favor of me, not you. Um, yeah, let's see. <laughs> so we talked about how Germany survives, England versus Germany. We can move on to can France win it all. So it, we we have seen in the Euro time and time again teams get knocked out early that we didn't expect to. So I know we just made our picks, and obviously, but if there was – one big club besides Portugal because they're playing against Belgium. Again, we kind of already talked about how we felt about that. If there was a big club for something to go wrong, which one would it be for you? Mm, a big club for something to go wrong? Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at, I'm just looking at England and Germany <laughs> over there. <laughs> those two, like I said, like. It's if exactly I'm a fan what of, I was thinking. If I'm a fan of those two teams, I'm, I'm happy they're here, but I'm a little bit worried. Dude. I'm a little bit nervous. Yeah, uh, I think I'm with you. I feel like if they match up with Netherlands and maybe even Sweden, I, I don't know. I think anything could happen, and I wouldn't be too shocked if they had an early exit. I just, yeah. I mean, my pick is England. <laughs> it's because yeah. they, they always let me down. You know, I feel like they, and they're, they've kind of played whatever, but I have to keep reminding myself they, they have not let in a goal yet. And I yeah, have I'm, to, it's a positive. It's a mental positive. Their defense has played well. So, but I mean, yeah. one of them is, one of them is definitely getting, getting eliminated in the first round of those knockout stages. So yep. <laughs> in Belgium and Portugal too, one of those big dogs are going yeah, out. So exactly. it's, it's going to be a wild ride and, you know, it, we'll find out this time next week. We'll know for sure who, 
who's going to be in and who's going to be out because the game's on Tuesday at 10, well, 10 o'clock my time in Colorado, but your time 12. And so, all right, I guess we can just move on to, I, I did have one question I did want to get to that we kind of didn't talk about. And we have Portugal, both of us have Portugal going out in the first round. How important is this Euro for Cristiano Ronaldo? Honestly, I don't think it's that important for him. He won it last time, and I think now he's just playing with house money at this point. Like, he won it. He, they weren't expected to win last time, and they came out and, and won it, which was crazy. And that kind of, you know, solidified his international career, I guess, is getting at least one one big championship. And he's kind of, I mean, the, the big thing for him is he's trying to break the record of, like, most international goals, right? Which, yeah, I don't, I don't think so, him going out is going to do anything against him. his legacy or anything like that yeah he's not so, he's 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 the underdog in this game too so so let's let's uh let's look at it, the question maybe a little bit differently so the question is how important is this for ronaldo so let's say let's say ronaldo let's say portugal wins the entire thing is this more icing on the cake of ronaldo and and how do we start to look at ronaldo compared is it does he make the gap further from other players like messi or the Brazil um, Ronaldo and, and uh, Pele and all those players, if he starts to win this and then maybe has a chance to win the World Cup. I mean, even just winning another Euro is, is huge, obviously, for your country. Um, does this kind of separate him from them a little bit, a lot of bit, or maybe just kind of the same? It's just another another uh, trophy for the international team. No, I mean, if, if he wins it again, then yeah, I think this is going to do a lot for his legacy for sure as far as like the GOAT talk goes yeah but um you know them losing is not going to do anything but them winning is going to do like i think yeah it's going to be a great for him and yeah you know i've always thought like you know growing up watching messi and ronaldo that messi is actually the goat he's the he's the the best player i've ever seen and Mm -hmm. better than ronaldo for sure but once you start looking at championships and the international careers messi has never won anything with argentina not a single not a single championship, not one trophy with Argentina. No. And, you know, Ronaldo has a Euro, and if he gets another one, then it's kind of, I don't know, that kind of makes that separation. If, if yeah. either of them is, if either of them can win a World Cup, then I think that will put one over the other for you, sure. You know what it kind of did for me too, especially watching Champions League finals? And I know Messi has a lot under his belt as well, but Messi also played with, so I, I had the same train of thought when I was a kid. Obviously, I've been always been a Liverpool fan, so he played for United. I I always I would say I was biased because I would say Messi because of I didn't like him, and then he went to Real Madrid, and I Gerard didn't go to Madrid like everybody else did, and I was always kind of against Madrid. But looking back at the Champions League finals, like he was the catalyst, he was the main focus every time they were in the finals, right? But for Messi, you could name. Eniesta or Xavi and, you know, a bunch of other talents to Thierry Henry that, you know, won alongside him and helped him get to that point. Don't, don't get me wrong. Like, Real Madrid had stacked teams as, as well. But Cristiano always seemed to be the focus of those teams. And then coming forward and winning Euro, like you said, and Messi has not won anything with Argentina. And it kind of, yeah, changed my script. And I have to be unbiased about the entire thing. And now these days, when I when I look at Cristiano Ronaldo, I've definitely changed my mind. Especially, I think, physically and how hard he's worked, especially whether it's on his body or like how he plays the game, he works hard. And he's, like Messi, he has a low center of gravity. He's got an immense amount of talent. He's super talented, and he does amazing things with the ball. 
we're not we're not talking any of these players are like bad. We're just we're separating the one from the one A, you know, and making Megan be one and a two in right. in the modern day. And he, Cristiano just you know thrives. So I mean, especially if he comes out and beats Belgium and Italy, he's getting that cup. And if he comes oh. out and beats those two teams, he's getting that cup, and it will For mean sure. a lot going forward. It, I mean, the conversation will be over if this happens. He's, he's going to have to go through Belgium, Italy probably, and France. And France. Just, just to get to the final. And, and if so, it's not France, it's Croatia or Spain. So it's... <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he does that, yeah, you can kind of hand it over to him. The only way Messi catches up is if he wins the World Cup, I think. Yeah, I think but, so too. You know, well, that's has to be done. That's to be seen, I guess. Well... You know, the, one, the one thing I wanted to mention real quick, yeah, which I find really interesting is... So my my dad, who's who's been a huge soccer fan his entire life, um, I've asked him one time just about like Messi and and uh, Ronaldo. And what he said that I was found interesting was that he said Ronaldo is like a robot. Like he was made in a lab, like training like crazy. Like he's yep. he pushed himself to get to where he's at. Where Messi is just gifted. He's just born with a soccer ball at his feet. Like he just came out of the womb playing soccer and is just one hundred percent just gifted. Where Ronaldo just worked for everything he's a workhorse. that he's got. Yeah, he's, which it's I just found that interesting. Very interesting. As a, it's I agree, I completely agree with your dad. I think that's a that's a great point. And he's watched a hell of a lot more soccer than we have, and it's a great insight to I think solidifying kind of what we're saying too. I mean, if we feel like that Ronaldo's worked hard and it's showing at this point, not that we're, we're no one's saying that Messi doesn't work hard. I just think that things come naturally to him, and. Right. He's not rising up, and Ronaldo wants it more, man. Like, he's putting in those extra. I hear stories about him from former players that he plays with on on panel boards, on broadcasting shows, saying, hey, this dude was the first one in, last one out, always trying to make himself better for hours and hours on end. I mean, that's pretty It's pretty telling when your peers are saying that about you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just look at that dude's body. He's crazy. Like, yeah. how good that dude is. It's nuts. For sure. So I guess this will just wrap up this part of the segment of um, the Euro. I mean, once these games are over, I'm probably going to, you know, jump right back in and make some more picks and see where we are. Because this is the best part of the tournament is when the knockout and then like you get the new matchups of these the big clubs or whoever they're playing against and what happened in that that first round of the bracket. This is this is my favorite part. The group stage is fun, but. The knockout part is the best because it's do or die. You got overtimes, you got PKs. It's so much drama, and it's super fun. So we can transition to the NBA now and look at some of the playoff matchups and see where we're going to the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. And already um, out of the gate, I don't know. Did you see the scoreline to the Hawks and Bucks game already? No, I did today. not see it. So I, I, yeah, I haven't seen it. Take take your guess of who won. Actually, let's let's, let's see if you get it right. I mean. I would, the way you're asking it makes me think the Hawks, but before the game, I would definitely be picking Milwaukee to, to win it. Yeah. Tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're spot on, mate. The Atlanta Hawks won 116 to 113. Was, oh, my God. Yeah. Another, but we, we have been, this has been a really exciting uh, NBA playoffs. You know, despite losing, playoffs. despite LeBron getting on Instagram and complaining about injuries and time off, <laughs> which is funny, but. It's been a pretty fun, uh, pretty fun playoff run. I mean, uh, last night with the uh, the alley oop dunk from Crowder to—I don't even know the guy's name. I don't even know who he was. Aiden. DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton. So, I mean, that's exciting. The Clippers are struggling um, in that series, and 
hopefully the Suns can keep this going. They're up 2-0. And I don't know if you saw this, but the, the kid who the Suns in four, the, the kid who got into the yeah. scuffle in the stands, people were, he was at the next game, the game two, and he was taking selfies with people and like the, yeah. they, they put the camera on him and he was, it was on Bleacher Report. It was hilarious. Like people were coming up to him and taking pictures of him and he was holding up four. So, I mean, the Suns are definitely like the, the team everyone's kind of rallying around, I think, who if you're not like dedicated to a team or you don't have a team left, I think a lot of people are rooting for Chris Paul, they're rooting for Devin Booker. I, I swallowed a pill on Devin Booker, so thank you for you and Chris, you know, preaching at me. I, I uh, seen this kid play and I it's you know, we're, we had a conversation in our group chat about him and, and, and Donovan Mitchell, who's the best young talent or, you know, this time. And I kindly uh, rescind my offer and saying Mitchell because uh, Devin, <laughs> Devin Booker has definitely proven me wrong. But who at this point is your favorite to win the NBA Finals with these four teams remaining? Man, I, honestly, before once well once Milwaukee beat the Nets, my thought was Milwaukee's a favorite to win it now. And you know, I was Vegas agreed with me, but now that they lost Game One, I, I don't know anymore. Like I don't even know what to think of these playoffs at yeah, this point. This, the playoffs and, have been so chaotic. Yeah, I don't. Know. I think the big question, honestly, to me is can Kawhi come back? and be healthy because if he's back i think the clippers can can turn it around can turn it around for sure but as far as like me rooting for a team i'm definitely rooting for the suns like i've always been a huge chris paul fan and you know Devin booker is just so fun to watch he's so good yeah so smooth so smooth i, I mean i've come around over the years with chris paul i've always been a little salty because of the point guard debate uh there was a lot he's of good beef. point guards during his time but he's he has He's brought, always had beef with Rondo. <laughs> yeah, he has. And I'm a huge Rondo fan. so. But this guy continuously brings teams to the playoffs and plays really well. And it's always never his fault when something goes wrong, whether it was with the Rockets or... It's just... Now I'm kind of just like, all right, it's time to root for this guy. You know, he, he deserves it. He, he needs an NBA championship or he's going to be just like Charles Barkley, immensely dominant during his time and he didn't get a chip. I'll be, I'll be sad if that happens. Yeah, for sure. I think I think if they can win a championship, we have got to start talking about Chris Paul as one of the, one of the best point guards to play. Yeah, for sure. Game. and you know, yeah. But like you, I've always been a huge fan. But him. like you said, if Kawhi comes back to best way player in basketball, and I mean, it, it's tough to overcome that. And he's he's a really good talent. But there's always Paul George going to the line. Oh, you know, my gosh. there's always <laughs> Paul George missing free throws. So you never Pandemic know with the Clippers. <laughs> Pandemic P. <laughs> oh man, that was. For anyone who knows me, I'm an Indiana Pacers fan, and ever since Paul George left the Pacers, I've had a little gr- a grudge against him. So watching that go down <laughs> yesterday was uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely enjoyed it, and uh, you know, just just being able to watch that moment and go, hmm, yeah, Caleb's happy about this. Man, he's had <laughs> he's had so many bad playoff moments, like when Damian Lillard hit the game winner to send him and Westbrook home. Game seven, in his face, like, I don't know, man. Nothing tops that one, but yesterday was pretty close. Yeah. Nothing comes close to that. So, <laughs> Paul George, man. The, the, <laughs> that guy. He, he better redeem himself in game three or game four. Somehow, some way, hits a big shot or something. Because if they lose the series, and that's one of the reasons why they lose, that's not good for them. That's for sure. Nope. I mean, you're you're talking about dismantling that that team. How many times that they've they've kind of gone through this story already? I feel like the Clippers are cursed in general, but 
Um, I, if I was Kawhi, I would want to leave or get a new partner in crime because it's not, it's not doing it for me. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know if I remember this correctly, but I think Paul George and Kawhi, both their contracts are up this year. Oh, they yeah. kind of, they kind of timed it in a way where they would, you know, their contracts would expire at the same time. So they can kind of make the choice make, make of decision. where they want to go or if they want to stay. And I don't know if they lose here. Sounds. Uh, I'm just gonna. If yeah, they lose here, good. it sounds like that they're a draft lottery team, the Clippers. <laughs> oh man, they're gonna go back to, to <laughs> the Clippers that we all know and love from yeah. the from the two thousands, where they're just top five pick every single year. Yeah, just watching them young guys. Another playing. another bust every single year. Hey, they they really turned it around. You know when the Clippers actually turned it around and started being a good team is when Chris Paul was there. Exactly. And it so, had nothing yeah. to do with Blake Griffin at all. Nope. Chris Paul got there, and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, that whole Lob City. That's why they were, you know, a little powerhouse for a little bit. But, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't mind the Clippers going back into just never, never land, never see them, <laughs> just in the bottom five of the league every year. Oh, I got, a, qu- fine with me. I got a question for you. Today, Steve Kerr, was it today or yesterday, came out with a statement calling, yeah, you, we, we saw this a little bit on the uh, the group chat, but. Steve Kerr saying that he was the most gifted basketball player of all time, Kevin Durant, and having Steve Kerr played point guard for Michael Jordan. What, what are your thoughts on that? You think he's yeah. he's right or or what? Yeah, I, I mean, it's I think it's I think it's debatable for it's, sure. It's I think it's an argument quantify. to be made. Yeah, I think it's hard to quantify this. I think Kevin Durant is just a unicorn. Like, you don't, he's seven feet tall, basically. Can, can handle the ball like a point guard, can shoot like a shooting guard. Like, that dude can do it all. He so, can, yeah, he can. Yeah. So, honestly, like, the, I think it's debate, It's like a debate to be had, and yeah, he's in the conversation. Because gifted, sure. like like you just said, like, yeah, he's he's a seven-footer, looks like a looks like a center, plays like a, like a point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, literally can play any position, and he's unbelievable. But then Michael Jordan in the same breath, is unbelievably talented himself and gifted as himself with his his maybe not as tall but his hands are huge he can fly through the air his game the way he presented himself on the court was unbelievable so i mean it can go for both i mean it's kind of i just thought it was interesting that steve kerr of all people is the one who came out and said that especially at this time too it it is it is interesting i mean yeah that definitely makes it interesting because um you know he played with or he coached durant and played with jordan so It's a good, but, it's yeah. a it's a cool person to actually say it because it's it's someone who's close to both both sides of the equation. So for sure, yeah. I mean, as far as pure talent goes, I I don't know. I I wouldn't like I don't have anything against someone saying Durant, but I mean Jordan was just successful. Like his his yeah. rings and his trophies and all that kind of yeah. speak for itself. That's why he's the goat. Yeah. But and the other thing, like Jordan was also a like all time defensive player as well. So. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if you can say that about Durant. <laughs> no, no, not not as well. Um, I guess the last thing we can get into, we don't really know much about him. We probably won't spend time on it, but the Celtics obviously uh, got a new coach today. Uh, Ime Ukadaku, or I went to the, <laughs> the, the butcher office and destroyed that name, but... I'm not even going to attempt to yeah, say <laughs> It's I-M-E space U-D-O-K-A. You do your best. I have no idea how to say that. <laughs> but apparently, Charlie informed me that, uh, yeah, uh, he's a, a steward of Greg Popovich for many years. So, I mean, that's a good sign. 
I, I really, the, the thing that jumped out at me was he was a player coach. He was a former NBA player. He was from Nigeria. Uh, I wanted a player coach no matter what. A former player as a coach for the Celtics. That's what I wanted. So I don't care who it was. That's all I wanted. And I got what I wanted, so I'm happy. What's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I don't have too many thoughts because I don't really know him as a coach at all. And I don't know, I guess... The bigger, the biggest thing for me is Brad Stevens calling the shots now and making the call and uh, hiring him. Call out I mean, the we'll trade see. if you want to call out the trade. You can do it here. I mean, yeah. I mean, his first move was questionable to say the least. I think we were looking at that deal and it was like Kemba. They got El Horford, and we're thinking like, oh, they got a first round pick out of that, so you know, good for the Celtics. And then I looked at the deal again. I just misread it at first. It was like, what? They like they gave up a first round pick and Kemba. Yeah. That to me was. I don't know. And the whole thing, like, why did they make the trade now? Why couldn't they just, you know, wait a little bit longer and see if they could get a little bit more for Kemba? Woj wrote that tweet weird. Well, yeah, I really I, thought we got a first-round pick out of it, and I was like, oh, this is great. And then you said you said something about it, and I was just, I reread it, and I was like, what the heck? Yeah, well, I was this like, trade is trash. <laughs> and we got Al Horford back out of all players. Like, he left here on bad terms, so nobody wants him back. Uh, it was kind of, it was to me at the end of the day it was just like a salary dump they just wanted to get rid of Kemba that whole Kemba experience did not work out yeah. in Boston so unfortunately and yeah I don't know we'll see we'll see what Brad does and yeah I don't know I, I don't really like where the Celtics are heading too much right now because we just gotta wait for the offseason I, I guess I'm just interested to see kind of I think kind of his I think they're hated in the league at this time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're not a they're not a uh, a favorite for most players. I think it's mostly driven by Kyrie. I was actually just going to bring this up real quick. I was you know typed in the NBA and looking up some of the Celtics stuff. Um, and CBS has a report from a day ago. That, that, listen to this title: Blake Griffin was reportedly warned not to sign with the Celtics, and the Nets wound up uncovering a hidden gem. Who, who the Kyrie. heck? Who <laughs> the heck said that? You've got to be kidding me, the Kyrie Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> The Isaiah Thomas trade is really coming back to bite us in the butt. I, yeah. I know we were all excited. And I don't know what, what happened with, you know, whatever, the whole thing with Kyrie, too. Kyrie doesn't help either with, you know, what he, how he played it out here. And a lot of fans and people of the NBA like Kyrie. So there's not much we can do about all that. But, you know, it is what it is, I, I guess. Mean, at the end of the day, I think, obviously, like Danny H made – the perfect move to get Kyrie, honestly, because he gave up. Of course, um, he won the he deal. He gave up Isaiah Thomas, who was like had a busted hip, barely played the next season, and was basically out of the league at that point, and got Kyrie, a superstar. Mm. But you know that was just so cutthroat trading trading away Isaiah Thomas after the crazy season he had the year before, where he played when his sister passed away and had that crazy playoff game where he just yeah. went off, and then you trade him. And I don't know, they're just cutthroat business, and I almost feel like you were saying, what did you say it was cursed? The Clippers? The Clippers, yeah. I don't know. I think the Celtics might be a little cursed too now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they sold their soul for number banner 17, so. <laughs> yeah. Mbutu, you know, they just, they, it, things have not been the same. They, they've got, they've had great draft picks. They reset their roster within a short amount of time in the in years after 2008, but it's just like we get so close and then just like hopefully Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, something can come of it and they can take that next step. It's like 
it's yeah. like Jalen is right on that cusp, and I really thought they could get they could get to that next round, but they just they didn't have it in them this year. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Tatum took that next step. He's kind of like solidified himself as a superstar player now. But now it's like, what can we build around? Yeah. Tatum, that's the real question. And yeah. I mean, that's the one thing that Celtics really you know got going for them is yeah, they have Tatum. You're definitely right. You're definitely right. I, I, he's 100 has taken that next next step. It's definitely the team around him that needs. You know, you got to have help. You know, and we got to find that help, bring him in, and then just stop pretending like we don't have a big man issue. Like I feel like we just don't have, we never have enough big men in the middle or be able to combat other teams. And it's, it's been a real problem the last three years and they need to solve it somehow, some way that we've got good role players. I think that's the thing. We got two young talents and we got a bunch of good role players and that's kind of all they do, but we need, we need something a little bit more. So going forward, but, but thanks Caleb for coming on the podcast I really appreciate it. Um, Hopefully mm-hmm. next week, maybe we can kind of connect again and do another one on the Euro if you're free. But uh, obviously, um, we're looking forward to these games and the NBA playoffs and see how this all plays out. The Eastern and West, Western Conference Finals should be great. But thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, for sure. A lot of fun. And we'll definitely come back to talk more Euros. And next time I come on, we got to touch on the Cup of America just a little bit, just so we can uh, see how my, my boys, my homeland is doing in Brazil. The Brazil, which is my second team. So you know I'm rooting for them as well. Like, Everybody's second team. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we all fell in love with the game, my friend. <laughs> it's Brazil, 2002 World Cup. All right, thanks, Caleb, for coming on the show. Take care. All right, bro. See ya.